welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded in Copenhagen during the 2017 Innovation Roundtable Summit, where our colleague Mark sat down with Frederick Hacklin, Professor of Entrepreneurship at Vlerick Business School and Managing Director of the Corporate Innovation Lab. During the conversation, Frederick explains the difference between digitization and digitalization and covers the advantages and disadvantages of the latter. Frederick further discusses the challenges and opportunities of turning businesses into platforms and stresses the importance of having a strategic identity. We have Frederick Hackland here from Laren Business School. Frederick, could you briefly introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, so my name is Frederick Hacklin. I'm a professor of entrepreneurship at Valeric Business School. Uh, also do some work at ETH Zurich and uh, at Corporate Innovation Lab. Um, I'm uh, focusing on uh, questions related to corporate innovation entrepreneurship. So I am uh, interested in the types of innovations, the type of entrepreneurial behavior that we can bring into the large organizations, how we can help established companies be better at drive their innovation agenda and also at renew themselves, for example, in terms of the business models, for example, in terms of the, the product pipeline uh, on the market. Yeah. Interesting. So could you just, um, and this is going to be a very broad question, but briefly tell us about the, you're speaking about the corporate innovation principles and so on. Could you tell us a bit about what exactly it is? Today you've been giving a brief presentation about the digital business models. Sure. So uh, corporate innovation, I think there's this uh, big array of questions and uh, it all kind of starts at how do I uh, develop new products? How do I conduct uh, research and development uh, in-house? Now we all know this is a little bit more the traditional type of uh, innovation and, and we are seeing more and more that this is uh, rarely uh, enough anymore. We need to start thinking beyond uh, traditional corporate R&D and looking for new ways to, to, to instill um, innovative thinking and um, uh, new products, uh, new projects within the organization. So this is where companies are looking at new types of procedures, new types of behaviors, think about corporate venturing, uh, think about uh, business model innovation uh, or uh, how we actually uh, start working with, with talent, how we uh, motivate people, how we instill uh, personal risk-taking, etc., etc. So I think corporate innovation is not uh, one uh, discipline. There's not the framework for corporate innovation. I think it's a long array of activities uh, that you're looking at. Uh, and of course, uh, this then begs the question of where should I start and where should I allocate my time? And this is, uh, if you're asking about you know frameworks and concepts, this is maybe one way to start uh, thinking about corporate innovation, how should I build my corporate innovation portfolio? So what type of uh, activities do I want to have in my portfolio in the first place? And how do I want to allocate my uh, resources, my budget, my, my time uh, on what type of activities? Do I want to focus on the business as usual, improving my existing products, my existing uh, client relationships? Do I want to go completely uh, beyond uh, uh, new frontiers? Uh, or do I maybe want to do something in the middle, look for adjacent opportunities, uh, searching for new businesses while at, at the same time still uh, leveraging my own uh, strengths. So, you know, trying to allocate and, and uh, create a portfolio along this, this range of activities is maybe one way to start thinking about uh, a corporate innovation framework. Mm. Interesting. And one question we like to ask everybody when we have an interview within the digital sphere is um, what do you perceive as the difference between digitalization and digitization, mm. if any? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I should say that uh, I believe the terms are being used pretty much interchangeably, so I, I think we shouldn't try to make too much of a fuss out of it. Uh, if you ask me personally, you know, as, a, as an engineer, as a, as, as a geek, uh, I tend to see uh, digitization as more the, let's say, the, the mere process of turning uh, information digital. So, like, for example, if you're I don't know, scanning a document, then you're digitizing a document, right? So it's basically turning analog uh, information digital. Uh, but then digitalization uh, is to me more the entire activity of doing something uh, out of digital technologies. For example, turning a, a business uh, that is traditionally operating on, for example, a human-to-human interaction. I'm selling something to you. Uh, and if now we are using an app or a digital platform, to do this exactly uh, same process, then we are digitalizing uh, that process. So to me, it's uh, uh, again, digitization is just uh, transforming analog information to digital information, and digitalization is building an, an entire business process around the use of digital technologies. Yeah. And now you've already touched upon it quite a bit, but are there any further challenges you see with merging hardware with software? especially with the large established firms who aren't really used to that, mm-hmm. that kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed, I mean, uh, already you mentioned by using the terminology hardware and software, I think many companies that are starting to embrace digital uh, opportunities and, uh, and digitalizing their business model, and this is indeed something we just uh, talked um, or discussed during our, our lab session, when you're doing this, you are oftentimes creating a new type of value offering that is operating on top of your traditional business model. Let's assume your traditional business model is a, is a product, it's a physical good you're shipping, right? Um, for the sake of the example, uh, now you are offering something add-on, which is, for example, a service. You are starting to collect data. You are able to augment the experience towards the customer. You are, for example, able to, uh, I don't know, uh, predict uh, some behavior. You are able to offer the customer uh, uh, much more of a, of a value than you just could, could do with a traditional physical product. Now, uh, by doing this, yes, you are changing the type of experience the customer is having with your product, but at the same time, you are also introducing a new layer uh, on top of your offering, which indeed somehow is the software. So what we're seeing in many of these type of uh, digitalization processes is that companies who are coming out of a more traditional business domain are somehow starting to, in a way, experience what, uh, if you want to say, the, the, the personal computing industry did uh, 20, 30 years back when suddenly we started to decouple integrated products into disintegrated products. And suddenly you, you start competing both on hardware and on software. And I'm not sure all companies are fully seeing that when they're doing these decisions because also you're more embracing the digital opportunities, and I think rightly so. But oftentimes by doing that, you are starting to also invite new type of competitors onto your market. Say you are suddenly, in this physical good example, starting to be very successful on this type of add-on software uh, that we're interchanging upon. Now, you can think about a situation where a third party who is maybe someone who has zero experience at all with the physical good, but actually is a very good player in the, uh, in the software domain, says, well, what if I also enter this market and develop uh, the software offering on my own? So in a way, uh, seeing a type of disintegration in the value chain would be the, the official uh, terminology for that, I guess, uh, that is in a way decoupling and unbundling an integrated product to software and hardware. 
this is in a way what uh, what we're seeing and and uh, yeah building on the experience of what the personal computing industry uh, did already we already have a terminology for that nice and um what you often hear in this era with uh, digital transformation and disruptive innovation and so on is um, there are differing views on, on how much scale can actually offer you as an advantage, um, vice versa, for example, 20, 30 years ago. Nowadays, you hear a lot about startups and even, you know, the, um, the, if you look at the SAP 500, it's, it's mainly like Googles and the Amazons of the world who, who are really doing well in, in regards to, to, to the digital sphere. What uh, advantage do you see scale has today for the established firms who have been around for 100 plus 100 years? Mm -hmm. So the question is scale. The yeah, what, scale. what advantage does scale have for uh, digital transformation? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess scale comes both for good and bad, right? At this, on, on the one hand, you are um, in the luxurious position of having um, an, an asset-heavy organization, so you, you are much better able to take that risks and experiment with new type of technologies, such as in our case, digital technologies, um, you can afford much higher stakes than, than, a, than a startup than you know, an, 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 a garage and a bunch of guys can do. Uh, but at the same time, indeed, the, the trade-off here is oftentimes these large organizations, as we all know, tend to be maybe political, uh, difficult to maneuver, uh, it might be um, might be difficult from a strategic point of view to replace a very successful business model with a new disruptive one. So I think this is, uh, this is a little bit the trade-off. But I think the good news is if you have scale, if you have the resource base, you are uh, at a at an, an initially strong starting point to you know, have all it takes to build a new business model uh, and experiment with digitalization. And what we need to find is these type of new organizational settings that allow us to do that. For example, getting beyond these uh, type of challenges, these type of rigidities that we have in, uh, in, in large corporations. So that's why we, and I think we hear this a lot here on, on the summit, are discussing about issues. How can we uh, take these projects out of the organization? How can we build up an incubator? How can we uh, work with uh, startup as a service offerings? How can we, for example, maybe even uh, find some type of uh, investment models that allow us to co-create together with the startup world? So I think these are, in a way, all uh, very promising answers to the question of how can I benefit from the advantages of pioneering new business models based on digitization and at the same time leveraging uh, the resource and the experience that I have in a, in a large established organization. Is there, now you mentioned uh, incubation, you mentioned you know building uh, internal startups and uh, collaborating with external startups, is there um, a specific route you'd um, advise uh, large uh, corporates to uh, to go down for digital transformation, or is it more like a portfolio-based uh, based uh, method of, of trying to uh, mm -hmm. trying to build up a, a digital transformation? So I think you did uh, two things. One, one thing you mentioned already, uh, the portfolio. So don't put all eggs into one basket and really start thinking about what are the types of uh, um, pockets of my business where I could start developing a digital offerings, and also why do I want to do this in the first place? Is this because I want to uh, replace my traditional type of process, for example, my type of interacting with the customer uh, through a, a digital uh, alternative, uh, or do I uh, want to, for example, find a new type of uh, 
business opportunities, new type of products where I can actually invest into digital opportunities. Vis-a-vis -vis at the same time, uh, are there maybe some parts of my business which I don't want to move into a digital world at the first place? For example, if, again, going back to the example of a, of a physical product, are there some uh, competitive dimensions of my product which I should continuously cherish and maybe not um, um, fool around too much with these, uh, for example, product quality, for example, technological leadership, are these maybe areas where I should try to even further invest into the non-digital part of, uh, of, of my offering? So I think this is, uh, on the one hand, really the, the type of portfolio thinking. Then the second part, I would say, is not so much the question of where and uh, where and what, but more of how. How should I do this? How should I then migrate towards digital business models once I have made up my mind where I want to do this and you know if I want to do this in, in the first place? Um, and here, my thinking would be to rather do incremental uh, and, uh, let's say, uh, local experiments, uh, local, uh, local um, tests, instead of making this, the, the big leaps. So trying uh, small changes in the business model, starting to experiment, obtain first feedback from the market, uh, and also then reserving the idea of, of pivoting. So indeed, trying to fail fast, trying to go out there with uh, with some early prototypes in, in a way adopting the, the lean uh, method if you want, uh, and um, not trying to change my entire business model, everything, and go 100% uh, digital all at the time. So indeed, we have to think about what are the, the steps I want to take and, and try to, to do this rather uh, in, in a kind of fail fast type of fashion than trying to make a big plan for uh, turning the entire company both upside down and digital. Yeah. And now you mentioned this aspect about um, um, taking on these entrepreneurial methodologies such as the Lean, uh, Lean Startup Framework uh, with, um, with the notion of pivoting and so on. Do you perceive that as something which you can integrate into the core organization or would that mainly be methodologies which you can use for certain departments or even only in incubation activities? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the Lean Startup method for, for sure and you know related type of, of, uh, of uh, methods and tools for sure are very helpful in, um, in challenging us in, in this traditional, let's say, corporate way of solving problems by uh, taking big problems and, and splitting them into smaller parts and, and trying to then you know, work on all these parts and creating a, a gigantic complexity around a project. Uh, and that's you know what we normally do in large organizations because in smaller organizations we simply don't have the manpower to do that. Um, so indeed to challenge this thinking by saying, well, there are also situations when it's sometimes more powerful to, to experiment and have a first fast prototype and fail fast on the market. And I, and I believe particularly for digital type of products where we have the opportunity of developing the product together with the customer. We don't need to hit the market with the 100% finalized product. We can work with the beta version. We can work with the, with the prototype. So I think in these type of situations, uh, it is for sure something that is a type of thinking, uh, a type of, um, if, you, if you want, individual way of working that is relevant to, I would say, uh, large parts of the organization. Then you can think if you if you think about uh, an entire organizational structure, all the activities that are associated, you could think of some uh, 
support functions, some parts of the value chain where you need to follow some sort of structural coherence, you need to follow the traditional um, managerial type of thinking patterns, not so much the entrepreneurial and let's effectuate out of, out of opportunities. So for sure, um, where you need to be able to fully guarantee the 100% the delivery of a, of a framework. I'm thinking, uh, for example, um, corporate finance. I'm thinking, for example, uh, the legal department of a company for sure here doesn't maybe always make sense to, to adopt a lean startup method. But I think if we're talking about innovating, and, and that's what, what we're here for today, and innovating in terms of capturing the advantages of digital business model, for sure, the lean startup method is something that we should try to uh, embrace widely in an organization, or at least use it as a, um, as a starting point for challenging the way we operate and uh, we think about solving problems. And uh, going around today and hearing a lot of the attendees speak, you hear a lot about building digital platforms and being part of digital platforms. What opportunities and challenges do you also see with uh, opening up for third-party uh, third players uh, for in building up such a platform? Mm -hmm. Indeed, very, very good question. So, so I think this is, at the end of the day, the, the million dollar question in digital business model, really kind of, can I build like a platform, not only a, a standalone product, but how can I create a platform that becomes an ecosystem through inviting all sort of other vendors who also start creating value and making my, my platform more valuable through, uh, through adding a content and, and adding uh, users on, on top of that. So really this two-sided market type of approach but at the same time we know that there's um, there's not uh, unlimited space for platforms uh, on this planet right so the question is how can I dominate the platform and how can my platform be the one that uh, is um, yeah, the dominant designer that is basically leading uh, the, the market and I think this is where there are many strategic questions that come into play so questions such as timing questions such as uh, who are my partners complementary advantage uh, and sometimes, indeed, if you start thinking uh, of cases of companies who are who might have found themselves in a very, let's say, product-leading uh, position for a long time, but by adding a platform on top of their offering, and then in the second step, opening up this platform to invite third-party vendors, this is really when you might run into situations where you are not so much anymore under control of your own business, if, if you know what I mean, because suddenly you might actually contribute to a type of business model where the value is migrating more towards the software and the complementers and those who actually build on top of your platform than the one who provides the platform. And now there are many ways of dealing with this. One approach, platform envelopment, right? So if I'm the owner of a platform, uh, I'm not only inviting other complementers, so people to provide content, but in addition to that, I'm also providing my, my own content and trying to kind of create an incentive for users to use my content as opposed to others. So in a way, uh, I'm trying to create an exclusive uh, ecosystem where I'm still kind of not only owning the platform, but also owning the, the content. Now you may ask yourself, is this still really then opening up the platform and, and why should I then launch a platform in the, in the first place? Uh, but in indeed, we see many companies who have found a successful hybrid of operating in an open and closed environment. So in a way, opening up the platform and allowing third-party 
vendors, third-party participants to be part of the platform under certain conditions, and again, other parts of the uh, of the interaction with the customer of the value creation of the product are taking place under uh, hugely shielded and uh, and controlled domains. So in a way, finding a, a way to deal with a hybrid between open and closed could be one way. Uh, I'm not saying it's it's uh, always the right answer, but it is one uh, one solution. I think that's also something we're hearing a lot during the discussions uh, here at, at the summit. Yeah. And now you're speaking about you know when companies want to own the platform and build the platform, but wouldn't there be cases as well, even for large established firms, where they wouldn't necessarily have to build their own platform, where they can actually integrate into existing ecosystems and platforms, mm -hmm. where they might be taking the long road with actually thinking about building their own platform, mm -hmm. where there's something already in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And I mean, now this becomes very, very guess, theoretical, but let, let's take an example. Let's look at uh, automotive industry, right? So I mean, here the, the big question is, um, now we are seeing the rise of um, new technologies around self-driving cars. We're seeing players such as Google and Apple coming into the automotive industry. We're seeing on the uh, on the other side of the value chain uh, different types of models of how the end customer is consuming the car. Right? Think about car sharing. Think about Ubers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so the question is then here, really at the end of the day, is what is it that the customer really is buying? Is the customer buying a car because of, of a brand? Um, and there are then reasons for, for why the customer would like to do so, uh, or is the customer buying uh, the service of being able to travel from point A to point B, um, or is maybe the customer buying uh, a car because uh, of a certain software experience, because I want to have a, a known uh, interface, uh, an, an environment that I know from my smartphone, that I know from my, uh, from my PC, from my tablet, uh, within the interface of the car, which again would speak to other types of uh, vendors in, in, in this ecosystem. So the question here is if I'm, a, if I'm an established leader in the automotive industry, how should I think about this? Should I say I want to create my own platform, I want to own the entire value chain of everything from you know, self-driving cars and, and to the new type of business models in terms of uh, car sharing, sharing, in terms of ride sharing? Um, do I want to create such a platform and can I be able to dominate such a platform? Or do I maybe want to join forces with these established platforms? For example, do I want to make an alliance with Uber, for example? Do I want to uh, be part of these uh, new open standards that, uh, that Apple is launching with the CarPlay and, and Google is launching with its uh, similar system? So indeed, um, if you are deciding to opt for those, then you might be a, a product leader in, in certain, let's say, segments in certain parts of the value chain. But in others, if you look at these now more, let's say, emerging type of business models and the, the new type of offerings, then you are suddenly a complementer. So I think that's just something you need to, as a company, ask yourself, uh, where do I want to see my, my strategic identity? And maybe not in a universal manner, but at what pockets, at what parts of the value chain do I want to be the the product leader and at what parts do I want to be a complementer and maybe even a preferred complementer uh, as opposed to others. So I think this is a little bit the the type of tension we are we are living in right now. And um, how many years have you actually worked uh, within academia and specifically and specifically the innovation sphere 
yeah, I, I should I should always say like far too little because there's still so much to see and so much to to learn, and I'm realizing that that every day. Uh, so indeed, I have been uh, operating in this uh, space for the last uh, 15 years. So I've been um, working um, both in research as well as uh, in, in consulting and, and industry, always dealing with a type of question related to how do we find the new type of innovating? How do we change uh, uh, the way of structuring innovation processes, thinking about the innovation management of, of tomorrow? And indeed, what we still used to maybe you know, 20 years uh, refer to as uh, innovation management oftentimes now is basically being relabeled as uh, as entrepreneurship or entrepreneurial management so I, I think and this is also something we see a lot during the discussion there is a huge overlap I mean uh, entrepreneurs want to become better at uh, innovating and innovators want to become uh, more entrepreneurial so I think this is really the domain uh, that is uh, shaping here but indeed, as you mentioned, what is what is interesting also um, the increasing interaction between industry practitioners uh, and academic research that I think really uh, is uh, particularly in, in questions related to innovation strategy or entrepreneurship is uh, increasing at, an, uh, at, 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 a, at a very high rate. And I think this is a very interesting time to, to be uh, in this borderline in this interaction between both of these, these fields. Yeah, and now you've uh, worked within innovation management for the past 15 years, and you mentioned a little bit about how there has been a uh, certain evolution in, uh, in innovation management. We hear quite a bit about uh, disruptive innovation, exponential growth, uh, and so on. In the past 15 years, can you see a change occurring um, in the area we are now, vice versa, 10 to 15 years ago? Mm -hmm. Is that something you... You feel uh, because you definitely feel it in the media. You feel it when you when you read the news, uh, newspaper, and so on. Mm -hmm. But is that something you can see when you're out speaking to the different corporations? Mm -hmm. and so, on? so yes, there's for sure a buzz around this, right? I mean, we yeah. all kind of agree that we're we're living in interesting times, and we feel that innovation is a, is accelerating at an ever increasing rate. And and oftentimes, indeed, we we maybe don't too much spend thought on why is this the case or why uh, is innovation so much different from uh, as it used to be 30, 40 years ago and, and there, there are some, um, some sides of the story which maybe also support the argument that maybe there are not so many differences after all. I mean still like 30, 40 years ago you would also need to uh, innovate, you also would need to rethink the type of positioning you would have on, would like to have on the market. Maybe what is special um, in these days, in, in, in the decade we're living in, is that we are finding many of our, I should say, not only companies, but our entire industries, our, our Western um, production-oriented, 100 years ago uh, initiated industries, largely at points where we are reaching some certain maturity, right? If you think about the, the evolution of how an industry is evolving from an early stage where it's all about product innovations, product innovation, we are moving more towards then efficiency gains, being better at wrapping up the production, so process innovations. I think in many of our Western developed economies, we are basically at quite the end uh, of this, this range, at quite of the, the right-hand side of the spectrum. So many of us are asking ourselves the question, what is coming next? We have basically exhausted the potential of innovating the product. We have very often exhausted the potential of 
searching for efficiency gain of scaling productions, etc., uh, etc. Et so, is there anything else that might be out there uh, in order to to reinvigorate our economies, or is it basically you know the, the end of our economy? Is it uh, creative destruction uh, and uh, basically a new industry that needs to be formed? And I think here um, the the potential answers we're 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 seeing are somehow related to concepts such as service innovation, concepts such as business models, where we kind of start to realize that maybe we do not need to always come up with new products. Maybe we don't always need to come up with new ways of changing our processes and, and scaling up productions and making things better, faster, uh, and at, at lower cost. But maybe we can also change the way we are creating value in the market, the change, the, the changing the way we are dealing and interacting with the customer and maybe saying, I'm not anymore offering this uh, this physical good. I'm not only offering this physical good to you at an at a, at a interesting uh, price because I can, I can uh, mass scale my production, but I can also offer you an entire service and an entire experience around uh, the underlying physical product. So I think that is, in a way, the big change in our thinking. And if we are kind of a little bit contrasting this against the, the way our corporate cultures or our uh, industry organizations are built, this is somehow where the culture clash comes in. Industry organizations, corporations are designed uh, by virtue of, of growth in order to excel at the former two, product innovation, process innovation. This is why we have corporations, this is why we have corporate structures, this is why we have R&D departments, this is why we have operations, this is why we have production. But we are as an organization, maybe not always necessarily that well equipped to start thinking about how do I develop services, how do I try, how do I get out from uh, from a product-centric thinking and more towards business models. And I think this is why we're so much experiencing these challenges uh, uh, as we speak out there. Yeah, that would be my my take on it. And what do you what do you perceive as we've talked a little bit about? Um, the different the different models which larger large firms can use to kind of move from the very product centric firms to the to the you know the the firms who add services on and uh, and become a, a bit more human centric. Do you perceive it as mainly a leadership imperative or more a general um, the, that the process and the frameworks have to be changed? I guess it's more mm -hmm. or less mm -hmm. it's all a, a holistic. Mm -hmm. uh, in one way or another, mm. I was just, what I'm pretty much asking for is: is there like a golden nugget mm. for a for change in an organization, which mm. you which you've kind of seen mm -hmm. in your research? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't, wouldn't dare to to kind of state the golden nugget at at, at this stage. Uh, hopefully someday I will. Uh, but I think in a way, and you, you mentioned part parts of that already. It's the, the it's a combination of many things, as as always. But for sure, and, and I think this is something that also in the, in the interactions and discussions we had during some of the roundtable discussions earlier this morning, you often tend to hear that sometimes when the sense of urgency, when the understanding uh, among the top management, among the board uh, is not there, it is very difficult for an organization to reinvent them, uh, itself. When you have the owners, the shareholders, uh, the C-level the, the, the management not 100% supporting this type of thinking. So I think this is in a way um, not a sufficient condition necessarily, but it's really a necessary condition. Uh, if you 
you are failing to innovate at, at, at the top of the organization, it is very difficult for the organization to, to follow suit. So I, I, that, that's really one way to, to start about this, so thinking about this. Do we really have a, an, an, a shared understanding um, of the need for rethinking our status quo, for rethinking our, our positioning on the market, and is this shared really widely uh, across the, the organization? So I think this is this is where we where we for sure uh, should ask ourselves at what point are we in, in, in the organizational aptitude uh, for for change but then indeed also frameworks and I, I like to to kind of think of frameworks and theories not to make the world more complicated as it is but actually to simplify things the the world is complex enough and an organization a corporate uh, is very political is uh, uh, is uh, oftentimes a huge structure which is difficult to oversee but actually allowing us to, within this broad array of activities and initiatives that we need to take and that we need to think about to allow us to gain overview and simplify uh, and maybe see what are the top three things that we need to focus on, what are maybe the, um, the three steps that we need to go through, what are the overarching questions that we need to ask ourselves. So I think this is really where frameworks and, and tools come in to make the complex world of overseeing a wide array of innovation initiatives really fit on a, on a on a postcard and if we're able to do that I think that really helps us also really to to work on it and, and, and implement. Sounds good and Frederick I think uh, you've answered all my questions so I want to thank you very much for taking part in this interview thank you. My pleasure thank you very much for having me. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online the Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms. So visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.